Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. I think it's time we blow this scene. Get everybody in the thoughts together, okay? Three, two, one, let's jam. Uh, who do we have here tonight? I am your host, John Garcia. I feel significantly cooler after watching this recent movie. Um, I don't know if it's just because it's got a good nostalgic vibe to me or if it's all of the jazz and noir or the Western stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about um, this, this, this film. Uh, but with me here on the episode is uh, Ryan King. Hey, yeah, how's it going? I'm definitely interested in talking about this. Uh, whatever happens, happens. It's a quote from the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, bringing TV show quotes to a movie to the discussion. Movie version, right? Yeah, full class. No. The quotes uh, from and the also movie are way us. too long, like convoluted, dreaming. <laughs> you have to give shit. a monologue. Yes, it's like a Mike Flanagan <laughs> show. <laughs> um, yeah, and also joining us is Michael Dixon. What's up? I'm excited to talk about this COVID origin story movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we are talking about, we're continuing our uh, anime discussions um, leading up to The Boy and the Heron uh, that's coming out in December by exploring a few more samplings of genres. And one of them um, is a fusion of genres uh, called Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah, it's happening. 72 are confirmed dead and 425 injured. Under those circumstances, we certainly can't rule out the possibility of bioterrorism. The government of Mars has posted a reward of 300 million wulong. What the hell is it? Playtime's over. Put your hands behind your head. Go on. Pull the trigger. I blow the bounty if I blow you away. Say your prayers. What are you? Just a humble bounty hunter, man. In particular, the film we're talking about is Cowboy Bebop colon the movie, uh, or what the previous title was, Cowboy Bebop. Knocking on Heaven's Door, which is a Bob Dylan song that they were like, <laughs> we can't use that. Bob Dylan doesn't want you to do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Cowboy Bebop colon the movie um, is it fits right into the middle of the television series, but you don't have to have seen the TV show to actually appreciate it. Um, it tells the story of four bounty hunters, um, or I should say three adult bounty hunters, a dog and a hacker girl. That's fucking insane. Mm -hmm. Um, and, <laughs> uh, in the movie, they all come to, uh, Mars, this like piece of Mars that's been colonized, um, in the future, the far off year of 2071. Um, and, uh, there's somebody in this city that they're trying to find who uh, has a bounty on his head. Um, and it turns out, uh, that another bounty pops up. Um, this guy who basically is committing terrorist acts using some kind of bioweapon, um, exploding tankers and such and causing like mass, uh, kind of, uh, murder waves, I guess. I don't know. Um, he's just like killing people and they're all choking out and everybody, the, the Martian government puts a, a bounty out, which made you laugh Dixon when you yes. heard that the government of Mars was putting out. <laughs> I don't know where we were in the movie. And then they're like the Martian government. I turned like, what the fuck Wait, what is going on? And then later in the movie, I was like, John, where is this set? This seems like a very metropolitan uh, place or, you know, 
very city of the world. Like, oh, it's on Mars. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. That makes sense why they have like a, a sub neighborhood of town for every single ethnicity on earth. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so the movie is, is really like, it's pretty simple in terms of the story. It's trying to figure out, you know, who is this guy trying to capture him, get the bounty on his head. Like it's following this gang. It introduces a, a number of other characters. Um, some of them, if you see the TV show, reappear others are completely new um including the villain and uh this this woman that like spike spiegel the main uh, i guess for intents and purposes of this story the main character um runs into um but yeah it's it's an ensemble cast sort of adventure um if you're wondering like you know uh, i think dixon right before you were like do i need to know anything do i need to we've seen you've seen like one episode before this i showed you like mm-hmm. the uh first episode and that was a few series. years ago so yeah. i didn't remember much it was pretty pretty fuzzy but um one of the reasons why i wanted to do this is one i love the series um i really love the concept of like genre fusion and i think that anime uh has a great space to to play with that and to pull from other um other genres in film and recreate them or pay homage to them in like really beautiful ways. And it can be pretty profound uh, and interesting. And especially in this one, um, this movie was made shortly, not shortly, but like a few years after the series had concluded um, and fans and critics were like, Hey, what if we got like one more thing? Could there be like a little bit more to the Cowboy Bebop story uh, and the universe? And so um, the studio decided, "Eh, yeah, we're going to make a movie. And we're going to do things we couldn't do with the show. So a lot of it has like these really cool um, shots that are like simulating actual film cameras. They have like wide angle lenses. They have like anamorphic shots. They have really cool POV shots. Like the animation is buttery smooth and has these really cool fight sequences to it that um, just have stuck in my mind, like uh, between like the train sequence and even the opening sequence in like that convenience store. Uh, they're just really memorable action pieces and moments. And the characters are all quick-witted and cool. And it fluctuates between being very serious and at other times being lighthearted. And I feel like it does it in a way that doesn't break the rest of the film and maintains like uh, Cowboy Bebop's essence. So if you watch the movie and you're like, I like that. I liked the experience. There were parts of it I didn't understand, but I'd be down to watch more of it. Then it's a good entryway and a good gateway to the uh the series and if you didn't then i still feel like it's pretty fun action um it does drag a few places which is why i don't think it's like a perfect movie there's some of it that feels like it could have been cut down a bit but um kind of miraculous like i don't know for me having seen the series and wanting more of it this movie gave me more without needing to open a whole other can of like questions and have me come back for a second season or something um, and if you've never seen it before, it seems to serve a really good purpose of like an entry point to like, this is what an anime could be. This is what it could have in it. And these are like really cool elements from a sci-fi world. Um, but that's my take. Uh, and I'd love to hear more. Um, I think, I think we should probably save Dixon's take for last. Uh, yeah. I'd like to hear from our resident anime expert who we have kicked to it several times. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about Cowboy Bebop colon the movie? Yeah. For background, I've watched the show through i don't know how many times um and i first got the series back in the like 90 99 or 2000 right, right? kind of and this movie came out in what 98 yeah. yep um uh, and it came out 2001 I 2001 thought? yeah, yeah I can't, 2001. it's in that time frame i don't i can't remember but um i know on that the ground floor is what you're saying 
Yes. Oh, I know for the movie that I had a Chinese have a Chinese knockoff DVD. This is hard to like. I don't think that's on anything streaming. You you mostly need a physical media, and I guess the physical media I still have is a Chinese knockoff DVD. Um, <laughs> Because I bought like a box set and it turned and the box set actually was all legitimate discs and one Chinese bootleg version of the movie. And that's what they sold on eBay. <laughs> yeah. Somebody that's scammed me, I guess. I don't really care. Um, I've also listened to the soundtrack a ton of times. Like Yoko Kana's music's fucking awesome. It's a different take in the movie. Um, this very much is a longer episode of Cowboy Bebop. It doesn't really feel like, feel like it missed a beat. Um, it is pretty common especially back turn of the century for anime to have what they called an oav or ova that would come out sometime after a series had ended that was a movie just kind of like almost usually like a longer episode or something sort of after the series but not a major departure and so this this fits in it i think this was especially like supposed to be like maybe a 90 minute or 71 minutes, somewhere much shorter kind of OVA that was just going to go to video, and then they extended it to feature length. Um, and I think that's where you can kind of see, like, it got stretched a bit. Um, yeah. But, like, this absolutely is exactly what an episode of Cowboy Bebop is like. They get tangled up in something, they fuck up all their own shit and spend all their own money trying to, <laughs> to get I'm a bounty or mess. something <laughs> that ends up just getting messed up to where they can't get paid or barely get paid. Uh, and we get some sort of villain that we, you know, kind of can maybe start to sympathize with in some ways, but they have this warped vision of how they go about things. Um, and you kind of, you know, continue to see Spike kind of wrestle with his demons of his past in, in each character. Usually so many episodes are just on another character entirely. This is very much a Spike movie, like through and through this, the, the, the other cast is there and they do their little bits, but this is mostly Spike and our new characters. Um, this is maybe like the third time I've seen this. I always remember enjoying it, and I remember the fight scenes for sure. The open, the fight with the broom, and the the train. And when we talked about this before, I was just like, the train, like immediately goes back in my yep. mind. And maybe some of the better fight scenes from Cowboy Bebop as a whole, um, and the way that they're the the animation quality and the way that they're animated and flow in this movie is really awesome and just shows like the maximum what they can do. Uh, it has some like interesting like opening sequence and street shots that are way more realistic and less cartoony than the show, which is also kind of interesting and I feel like a bit of a flex on uh, the creator's part. I will say that like the downs of it, it does drag a little bit. There's not much clarity, and this is common in the show, of like how the fuck they're figuring things out. They sort of just continue to stumble into new things and new information. Um, it just kind of feels like the plot needs to move forward so somebody figures something out in some weird way. Um, and then I would say the villain's motives are not quite fully explored. Like, we know why he's fucked up, but we don't really know why he's doing what he's doing in Fucking particular. Other people up? Yeah, he just talks a lot about heaven and death and <laughs> dreaming and stuff, but it's not really clear what the connection is, though seemingly he's lost his mind, so that's maybe not the worst thing. He is actually uh, supposed to look like Bob Dylan, um, because almost okay. usually every character, I think pretty much every character, is based on some real life, often musician, that the director, Watanabe, uh, wants them to look like. 
Um, and so it's supposed to be Bob Dylan. I don't think this is a very good Bob Dylan. Mm. Some of his other characters do really look on point, but uh, yeah. I call uh, him Scraggly John Wick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah, actually probably Stick pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, John, John Wick let his hair go. John Stick. Darla watched this. She kind of came in and out on it. She's watched maybe five or six episodes of Cowboy Bebop. And she did enjoy the show. We just hadn't finished it and kind of moved on to other things. Um, mm-hmm. And she kind of came in and out, but towards the end, just kind of got hooked into like, where's this going and the action and all that and saw it through. But I think she kind of gave it like a eh, weird, you know, to like what, what exactly was going on, but still enough to keep her captivated. Yeah. Nice. Um, cool. Well, that's a glowing Darla review if ever I've heard one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't, you can't get I watched better than it. that. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's got to be like top five percent of all the things that we've watched uh, for for Darla, right? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, good. and it's not like who picked this. Like, yeah, she doesn't that was know not names. Asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, that was not asked. Yeah, she probably just assumed it was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. Um, well, cool, uh, Dixon. What did you think? This was your first time seeing this, and you've only watched one episode before. Yeah, and I didn't really remember anything from that episode except for some of the aesthetics. Um, I know we watched one episode right after we watched the movie, John, and I don't remember if the movie had this or the show, but the, like the intro theme song I thought was really cool. And it's like exactly the Archer theme song. Oh, that's um, in the, yeah, that's the, the show. show. Okay. That's yeah. not in the movie, but I was like, oh, that's really cool. And like Archer came out like 10 years later. And so like, there's, there's clearly some influence here into modern American animation. Um, the style is just really interesting, you know, kind of the, uh, combination of like noir and espionage and western all together it's got like the kind of cool aloof noir characters with the um you know kind of biting dialogue and you know then the the western aspect of the bounty hunter that is you know kind of going around and trying to find the you know collect the reward on people um i I thought it was cool it was well done um i think the characters were a little flat and and that is i think um, sometimes a problem that noirs fall into where, you know, the emphasis is on the style and the dialogue and the writing and it's, and the, like the, the cinematography and the the lighting and everything. And I think sometimes the characters get a little overlooked in favor of snappy dialogue. And I felt like that kind of happened here. Um, you know, I feel like the best noirs are able to transcend that and have really interesting characters. And that's difficult to do when you're trying to stick to a style. So hard and and kind of do that at you know that's the the premium the number one thing they're they're going for is achieving the style and i think they do that really well um the plot is is interesting it's kind of all over the place like there's a lot of characters and there's a lot of pieces to follow um i have no idea what the fuck uh, edward is or what what was going on <laughs> there um this and weird was like, like- was Ed that noodly in the show? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, no, she was not that noodly. And I was like, yeah, nah, I think she was. <laughs> she's always been she's that pretty noodly. Yeah. So, yeah. Like some sort of idiot savant who can like hack into anything and answer every question, but like can't hold a conversation or like, you know, stand in one place for longer than five seconds. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's so many weird characters and, and random little plot holes that you go down that it kind of comes together at the end. But, um, you know, some of the stuff doesn't really make it all the way through. Um, I thought the the ending was interesting. I, you know, about halfway through the movie, or I guess when they first introduced the like big pharma CEO, I turned to John and I was like, so this guy's the villain 
and scraggly john wick is like the the decoy villain right like he's actually a good guy or something and john was like oh well uh you're not really but uh, <laughs> yeah, you may be right on the first point um but as as we go through like it becomes very clear that the big pharma company is the evil institution in this movie that is creating these you know evil nano bought virus marbles and yeah, <laughs> distributing yeah. them out through the world. And this guy is either a patsy or is kind of just becoming a nuisance to them. And they're trying to get rid of him. And they have like corporate assassins that they are sending after him to neutralize him. And at the end of the movie, we just kind of forget about that. And they like, you know, capture John stick and save the day and spray everyone with vaccine. And then they're all like, yay, we're done. And then you're like, wait a minute. Wait, why are we not going back to the big pharma CEO's office and punching him in the dick? Where, where's that scene? What's, what's are going we going to follow that? up with the 8,000 that Potter has? Why would we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. We got to go get Mr. Potter. Um, but uh, I mean, that's kind of how these things go, I guess, right? Like in, in real life, you never actually take down the big pharma CEO. You just take down the low level drug dealers that are pushing their products. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know if that's trying to have some sort of commentary or if it's just like kind of a convenient way to wrap up the story. It didn't feel like it was trying to make a statement or anything. It just felt like it was kind of trying to do its thing and have a good time. Um, and I had a good time with it. So, you know, uh, overall I, I enjoyed the experience. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the bebop episodes don't end with like a pretty bow tied on things. Like there's kind of yeah. a reset that happens, but usually they're like these, the entire series is kind of like watching these characters endure different kinds of trauma and watching it chip away at like who they are and what their dynamic is. And so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Like being on kind of the, the inside looking out and hearing you talk about how like the movie itself felt like it had flat characters. And I'm like, what? but I know all of these characters I've seen. Them. Uh, yeah. And, and then, maybe yeah, that's, you just those... have to build that over the course of watching the show and I don't have that. So yeah, it's, so yeah. There's, there's like that kind of depth that gets added. But like, I, I have, I once had a friend who complained to me, um, uh, Ryan, you and I worked with him previously at some point, but he, he, uh, was like, Oh, I, I watched cowboy bebop and I just, I didn't get it. I kind of stopped watching it because like, they didn't really have good arcs for episodes. And he was like, they didn't really tell me where we were going for the episodes. Like he was like, why would I follow all these people on their adventures if they never get like any kind of success or they never win or something happens. And I was like, it's a lot more nuanced than that. Like the noir yeah. aspects of, of it, keep it from being like good guys win at all times. Like they have several episodes of like eco terrorists or other like factions that they run into or, like the greatest hacker who committed all these crimes and he's now a senile old man who can't remember anybody's name. Like, but yeah, so it, it definitely, it's like, it, it brings out for me. I'm like, Oh, that's funny that, uh, that the characters are like, yeah. When you, when you look at this movie as it is, like it really just does push you through a plot with characters that you've never really known. And you're having to draw on like a few stylistic choices for each character. Like the fact that Ed literally noodles, like there's like waves that go through Ed that nobody else has. They're mm. all just, rigid animation for other characters. It is all cartilage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> full. Of, Ed, Ed is just full of cocaine. Uh, <laughs> it's eaten away at all of the bones. It's all that Halloween candy. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's, yeah, the fact that this is coming after a show that has fleshed out all these characters, except maybe mm. Ed and definitely Ayn, um, who is this hyper-realistic dog compared to everyone else, honestly, the way he's animated. <laughs> Um, but in the show, yeah, these become fully like well-realized characters over the course of the show. You really get all the sides of them. Um, he, often if they do bump up against something bigger, uh, 
um, kind of like a systemic problem. They don't really care or necessarily go about fixing it. It kind of just is like Spike doesn't give really much of a shit about anything. Faye only gives a shit about money and Jet's the only one that has any kind of maybe code of honor. Um, And so, yeah, it's just sort of like they're after the 300 million in this movie and that's it. They don't really care. That's There's their no whole objective. Yeah. No one's paying them to take down the Martian government or this pharmaceutical company <laughs> or whatever. Right. So they just don't even True. really care. It's, um, it's honestly pretty bold when you think about it, Ryan, for like the movie to start, I guess like it knows that it's going to be fans that go see it, but like Dixon, I wonder how you felt at the beginning because having seen a bunch of Westerns and everything mm-hmm. that opening sequence with the convenience store where that oh, guy yeah. comes out and takes an old woman hostage and Spike is like, I don't give a shit. Like, I really don't mm-hmm. care about this person. Um, like, what was your kind of impressions on that? Yeah, I definitely felt like there was some specifically spaghetti Western influence here. Like the, the Clint Eastwood, Sergio Leone vibe of the, the bounty hunter that just doesn't care. They just don't give a fuck about anything. And they're coming in to make their money and, and move on. And they don't really care about anybody else. And yeah, I thought that scene was, was great. Um, you know, just a very tense action sequence. And then you have a dumb bad guy who stands next to his uh, victim instead of behind her <laughs> and then gets <laughs> shot in the face. But <laughs> <laughs> a lot of soda cans that fall on him and all. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, Ryan, I interrupted you. Do you remember? Did you hold it? No, I was going to say, I, I think you do get enough to kind of get the basic beats of who these characters are right like that opening scene kind of gets you the like jet and then you get the when they're playing shogi and you kind of get the like okay jet wants to kind of plan things out and he has kind of a set of rules and spike just kind of is in the moment and you don't even know like does he legitimately not care if that old lady dies or does he just say that shit to fuck with that guy like you don't really ever know what he's actually thinking in that situation i do feel like the movie doesn't flesh out our other two new characters, the the villain, um, and wow, I remember yeah, name it, Electra. Electra. Um, yeah. They don't get necessarily fleshed out, which I think is strange because I can think of so many Cowboy Bebop episodes that introduce a villain and give them like a very detailed, well rounded, get you to care about them kind of thing in one fucking episode, you know. And there's a few where it's like over the course of two episodes, and that's still less runtime than this mm-hmm. um so yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like sympathy for the devil or like mm-hmm. uh heavy metal queen or whatever like those yeah. you get it the full character in one go and by the end you're like kind of sympathetic for them and sad <laughs> that they go down right like in a way um so i do miss them like the show to, the movie doesn't quite hit that note that i think it could with the amount of time it has because mm-hmm. I, I think of those like two-parter episodes and they absolutely are amazing standalone and could be the quality of a of a movie yeah um that's that's kind of interesting because like i yeah I never, I never really thought about it or like i guess i never really had as much of a desire to see those characters fleshed out i i don't know it's usually the case that i would welcome there being some more backstory to some characters but it seems like at times they they give you just enough to go like that's what this movie does for most of its characters is like it gives you enough and they get rotated in and i guess they don't have the prestige of 26 episodes before them to let you know who they are but it's still like we get a moment in a jail cell between spike and electra where they talk about um past loves and how like vincent was her past love and um she gives just enough for us to see it's it's almost like using spike as a, a mirror 
mm-hmm. on both of them, like reflecting into their characters and trying to pull depth from that, which is kind of an interesting approach to it. But um, yeah, I think that like the fact that they also spend, they have other villains in it too. Like uh, what is his name? Spor- Spokey donkey, Spor- Sporky donkey, uh, Sp- Spokey <laughs> yeah, donkey. Whatever the hacker uh, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, I think his name was Lee um, <clears throat> who like, in a moment, in like a few moments, you just get an idea of exactly who the fuck this kid is, uh, which was another thing that I was like, I don't think there's a character I don't remember in it. Like even the dude who asks Electra for a date, like I'm just like, yeah, that guy, he was yeah. there because like, why would you do a DNA? <laughs> you would like trade a DNA exam for some kind of fucking uh, date. You're like, yeah, I'll look at your blood. The misogyny is alive like, in 50 years. It's fucking, yeah, it's like, all right, there it is. <laughs> Um, is, yeah. is the don- donkey is he the the dude who's playing like the old video game yeah. it's like yeah, i, yeah. I want to do some terrorism yeah yeah, yeah. he's like yeah. thanks for providing me with this opportunity to do terrorism yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's always wanted to know how it feels um which he also just has a brutal death like that scene is so fucked up mm-hmm. uh there there are a lot of like the violence doesn't come as often like the fight choreography and everything happens but like when hard violence happens it it immediately sucks the air out of the room. Like I noticed like the score would give out and it, they would let like the, the Foley just like echo. Um, I think like even for the security guard who stops them right before that kid, after that kid's like, thanks for letting me do terrorism with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> security it's... guards like I need to see your ID and just gets his brains blown out and his body just flies and skids across the, the concrete. It's so brutally animated, um, but it happens in like a flash and it's just done. Yeah. Like man, um, the uh, the the opening scene at the convenience store. I, I I asked you, John. I was like, "Is is Jet a cyborg? Like, what's going on with him?" Because he has this like massive metal arm and like some something metal thing on his face. And uh, Spike turns to him. He's like, "You told me there were three guys. What the fuck, dude?" And he's like, "I'm sorry. The information that's provided is to help both sides or something." And yeah, I was like, like, "What the fuck is this thing? <laughs> is this some sort of Intel robot that is like scouted the area and like is only providing a certain amount of information?" to not advantage one side over the other is like, what's happening here <laughs> it's 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 totally just jet has a code of honor but he also has a sense of pride that won't let him admit certain things like when he's fucking wrong like how he can't <laughs> so, stand to lose at chess yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah those are all those sense like you get a few segments of that like yeah there's he tries to pull the art of war shit is what uh, Spike refers to it as. Yeah. Where he's just like, yeah, disinformation is necessary for allies and enemies. Yeah. <laughs> and then later he's like, uh, Shogi is a game of, of patience and looking ahead. I want to move this way. Let's go back a few turns. Yeah. And then even later when Ed's like, are you waiting for a call? And he's like, no, I'm not waiting for a call. And she's like, oh, I thought you were. Cause like Spike and Faye are out. And he's like, are they out? I didn't even know. And Faye calls immediately and he answers and he's like, where are you? What's happening? <laughs> Just these moments where it's like he has a hardened shell and the show fleshes it out a lot more. It also mentions in the movie, like he talks to a buddy of his. They go to a drive in where they're watching like they're watching High Noon. Yeah, High Noon, which is (laughs) is is that whole sequence is directed by a different director, um, as was like the opening credits, uh, which is pretty fascinating. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say real quick as we talked about that, they animate High Noon to have them watching it and it immediately my mind went to the ninja turtles movie from earlier this year john where they're watching ferris bueller's day off and i was like how awesome would it have been if they animated ferris bueller's day off scene oh, in the, like that to do like that yeah. that would have been cool that would have been great like they, uh, except they 
definitely turned Gary Cooper into Clint Eastwood when they animated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, that's not Gary Cooper. This. <laughs> they definitely used some, yeah, some different faces, which was like another thing I heard was people speculated like those sequences, I think the Western and the intro cards, people speculated were rotoscoped, but they're not. They're, they're not, all hand-drawn, yeah. which yeah, is no, wild. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but yeah, like Jet sitting in that, one just cool world building showing what like cineplexes have become with flying cars now they're just like tiered masses uh-huh. where you like yeah. can park and watch the the drive-in um but yeah jet talking with his partner uh, or like former coworker or whatever about the issp which is i believe i looked it up dixon it's the like intersolar space police or some shit um, uh, yeah, I guess the International Space Station Police, but that didn't really make sense. So. <laughs> yeah. The International Space Station is still out there somewhere. <laughs> it's still good. It's still good. <laughs> yeah, there's like six people shitting in bags up there. <laughs> it's just a little shitty. It's still good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, Jet's like asking him about how life is on the force and, you know, alluding to all these old, the old, the old times Jet used to be a cop and he's just like, Eh, it's not what you remember. We're all just like pushing papers, trying to get promotions. It's about people climbing corporate ladders. They're all just working with the about, like, anyway. Yeah. 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 And, and like selling out tips and drugs and whatever to the syndicates and jets like, that's why I left. So it's like these cool little tidbits where you're like, this whole world is like as clean as some places look like when you get to the edges of the city, like those things that maintain life within it are really special like spotless and clean and you can tell that that's maintained to keep life in but everything that's inside is like this bustling city of life and there's grime and dirt like everywhere and you've got corrupt individuals doing fucking crimes and all that doesn't have any it doesn't have a space age feel like dixon kind of it felt it was metropolitan yeah i didn't even notice until they like got on the highway and they like leave the terraformed bubble and they're just in these tubes and you just see like red dirt everywhere around them yeah it's hard to say what like i don't feel like cowboy bebop is is cyberpunk right Mm -hmm. and kind of a tradition but it is kind of that like i i was thinking about it when i was watching and i was like it's almost like grime punk grunge punk because it's like there is this city to it and there's the blend of cultures that you kind of see especially in in like a blade runner right the asian culture western culture kind of blend and everything's like a little actually lived in (laughs) like the little shops Mm -hmm. that are just like crammed in there and things like that that feel like realistic but it's not really quite to the i don't know post-apocalyptic you know post-human world of the cyberpunk as you thought yeah it just feels like it kind of it's like oh humanity just kept going on and we moved being just as shitty yeah we're just as shitty (laughs) Mm. as we were before i mean like in the show tijuana is now on an asteroid like that's like a whole thing it's just a city (laughs) that you can go to (laughs) and like did uh, it like get jettisoned from earth somehow or is it like they just made another city on an asteroid just made like a new tijuana more or less yeah so earth Earth is like like, uninhabitable yeah yeah earth got fucked by some like space gate that blew up and some other shit that happened and it's a whole thing that gets explained over the course of several different episodes and none of it is told to you that's the other thing i appreciate about the show is they nobody hits you over the head with exposition like i think at one point dixon you were like why is he asking about beans, like about Spike? (laughs) (laughs) And and it's because like the show talks in those euphemisms too. Like they use what in the real, in that world would be a terminology that could get you like a lead. Mm. And I appreciate kind of having to figure out and catch up to that. We've talked about like how uh, my favorite thing about noir is, is when a noir doesn't tell me what's happening and when I get lost in it. 
And then like, yeah. if you watch it again, you're like, I understand now, like here's the bits I can piece together. I appreciated a lot of that. And I feel like even watching this movie again, doesn't it, like it's still, there's parts I'm discovering or pieces of like the character dialogue I'm latching onto more. And I feel like the, the monologues as like some of the, as, as like heady as some of them can get and like heavy handed in, in some ways about, you know, with Vincent talking about heaven and everything, I still feel like there's, there's, they're so well written that I could just listen to it like again and again. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is a cool villain monologue. This is some cool mm-hmm. shit. Um, but yeah, that, that was, I don't know. Like this is the one thing that I going back to it. I really appreciated. Um, yeah. Also the, the vocabulary aspect of it, like that feels almost like a gangster movie to some degree too, where it's like, you know, you're like Scorsese does that a lot in his movies where you paint you know, houses, you have, yeah, I heard you paint houses <laughs> and they don't ever tell you what that means. Right. Like there are, are things like that, that, you know, we just use weird terminology that you can infer what it means based on people's inflection and their voices and their intonations. And you don't need everything defined for you to explain it. Yeah. I liked or like, you got to tell him it's what it is. And like immediately De Niro knows like, Oh, that means I got to kill this fucking guy. Like, you know, it's just- <laughs> yeah. I, I really liked that part about, um, when, when Spike was looking for any kind of lead uh, again, like to Ryan's point earlier talking about how like the movie does, split apart and characters start to figure out things individually to make the plot kind of move forward. And I feel like it has to be that way. Like, I feel like it, it would be, it would be lacking not to say like, just because it's bebop, it would be lacking if one character was able to cut through everything throughout the entirety of the film, but it's an ensemble cast. There's like an ensemble aspect to it where like certain characters can index really hard on things like jet can go talk to the police and figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. Cause he's got connections Ed's a hacker. So obviously we have to show some hacking and we have to make it really fucking weird. Um, which definitely happens. Uh, and then Faye has like a certain charisma that, uh, she can use to, to while her way in though. She doesn't really get many opportunities. She gets more just like she gets abducted by Vincent and gets to talk her way out of it in some way. Um, ish yeah ryan's making a face yeah i'm like uh, eh, i don't know eh, eh, eh. Yeah, he vincent just, decides just decides not to, to kill her even though he kills everybody else yeah wait who's vincent are we talking about He's scraggly john wick yeah scraggly john wick okay. we're talking about john stick and yep. uh that was that scene where he he put the knife and cut her her uh her top open oh uh, yes and, uh, and we didn't just see anything yeah there wasn't anything it's <laughs> no. rated r <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my schlock brain talking <laughs> the the physics um, of how her jacket like her jacket or shirt or whatever the fuck it is works <laughs> is already questionable and it got even more uh, questionable <laughs> it's just it's, t- it's yeah. just glued down apparently uh, yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah like if if spike had been able to do everything on his own it would be like what like the batman kind of thing where it's just like he's figuring out these dan brown novels and it's so easy to cut through it yeah i mean spike uh, really he added, just has like well, intuitions and he kind of yeah. is willing to kind of go wherever but and i think the show's that way too yeah i agree and the show that like, like they all kind of put together their pieces and that's what the bebop is effective at figuring out something like this that the cops are not or the comp- the corporation is not putting all the pieces together the way that yeah. they can. Yeah. And also the super intelligent dog can do shit for him every once in a while. And you know, like yeah. that, that is kind of the way the crew works. I think I, I was, it was more of the like, uh, and then sometimes the hacking is just like a fix where they can just be like, all right, we need a piece of information. And then it's like, Ed, get on there. And Ed says some weird shit and then shows you something. 
Enhance. Yeah. Enhance. Yeah. Would, hey, honestly, though, like the fucking tattoo. It is fifty what if I put years this in, in the, the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is fifty years in the future, and they could be using AI to enhance the image. I'll buy that compared to the modern day bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not an NCIS where it's like 2013, and they're able to get like 8K right. resolution out of <laughs> yeah, a, out of a CCTV camera. camera yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I feel like it, it's it's done a similar justice and it makes me think about like other noir films and uh, like what would happen if there was like, if Philip Marlowe had more help, I guess, like yeah. how, how would you juggle that? It's like really hard um, without having him need to stumble into everything. Uh, but anyways, that kind of ties to like the market sequence when Spike goes looking for beans that the human eye can't see, which is, a fun euphemism, I suppose. <laughs> um, it's just a creative way to phrase that. And then he meets the dude, the doctor who like worked on those. And Dixon, you loved his grenade uh, hand lighter. Yeah. <laughs> hand he grenade brought that out multiple awesome. times in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime to bust it out is a great time. I was like, where is he carrying that? It's so bulky. That'd be the most inconvenient thing in the world to carry around. And every time you bust it out, some cop's going to shoot you. Like, yeah, just- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, if you had one, you would carry it around and show it off whenever oh. you, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd like that would just be, a, oh, what's that massive thing in your pocket? There's a grenade sized thing jutting out of your pants. What's Dixon's going on? Dixon's going to order a 44 Magnum lighter. <laughs> 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 Powerful enough to blow your cigarettes head clean off. <laughs> <laughs> like you would have to get a holster for that. Like, yeah. like the grenade, you probably have to clip it to your belt or something. Just walk around with a grenade flying around. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like that whole sequence kind of set up this moment where I feel like the world felt so much more lived in. Like we just talked about Howl's Moving Castle and we talked about the pastiche of like Euro influence that was in it where you have a village that looks like it's in France. You have a character who speaks with a British accent and one with an American and maybe occasionally somewhere in between somebody has a different accent there, but all English and there's not a sign of any other language or kind of culture that intrudes into intrudes into that. And so like here. Instead, you have a world that's like permeated by different languages and you get to hear them like there's uh, that whole sequence on Moroccan Street. Like there's no subtitles for it. You just watch uh, what is his name? Rashid. Yeah. Like walk like around and just say hey to people. And, yeah. Give people hugs. Like clearly it's somebody that, you know, has some ties in this this sort of part of the city. Um, and Spike's just kind of like, all right, I guess I'll trust this guy and like go with him. He seems cool. And he shows up with that to that big ass clock store and gets like a vase <laughs> and that whole sequence i think that you're just like as befuddled as spike is where you're like what the fuck is this guy doing like the fuck is that does he actually know something is he trying to yeah. sell him some i was shit? shocked that spike actually took the vase home with him i was like what in the world like he, i you know it seems like it's a diversion where he just like brings him into this shop and he's like here buy this vase and then he leaves and like he he does it like really okay yeah. all right <laughs> <laughs> and it was a major plot point in the movie <laughs> Yeah. And I think that speaks to like, like Spike character being, even if he was like, you're wasting my time. He, he invests a lot into like, well, I guess I must, you know, I probably have to take this. There must be something here. I think that he values a lot in like the moments that he shares with other people That's me reading really fucking far into it. But like the fact that he went down all of Moroccan street, watching this dude, bro, hug everybody, <laughs> talk to him about <laughs> selling drugs then crawled with him through like a small underfloor cabinet that leads into a clock shop and took a vase. He was just like, yeah, there's probably something here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Spike- Maybe there's beans in this yeah. vase. Spike has that like faith in the unknown Buddhist 
kind of take yeah. on stuff because he does sometimes like and that's what he go, we, we see him where he's like the native american yeah he's like with that <laughs> shaman or whatever in this show sometimes spike will go to like a shaman or a you know a, a what do you call him hand reader or something like that so he does sort of have a belief a in that kind of stuff yeah mystic yeah so he does sort of have this like the world like brought him that vase for some reason he doesn't know right like this i was like they almost bring the dog home just because <laughs> think of anything else to do with it <laughs> so yeah. I'm like that is kind of the way they just they have stuff that's interesting he seems like a character to me that doesn't believe in anything like maybe that's just the voice acting where he just seems like he really doesn't give a shit about anything you know um but i don't like that's and i guess i interpreted him as that noir detective who is just like cynical about everything in the world and just doesn't give a shit but um, that's interesting to hear that he does believe in some sort say, of mystical shit. I don't in, know in if he believes show. it. Like, that's what's funny. It's like, I don't even know yeah. if he believes it, but he will be like, we can't figure anything out. And he'll go like, ask a mind reader, you know, kind of thing. Be like, where should I go? And then it turns out to work for him. So it's like never really clear if like it does actually hmm. work or if he just sort of stumbles into things. It's just but like he, he's out of leads and he's like, fuck it, why not? Why don't I go much? to this palm reader yeah. and see, uh, Basically. see what's up? Yeah. And really, at this point in the, you know, in Spike's life, he really does just sort of float from thing to thing. Like he is, he does kind of not care. Um, and th that's one thing I feel like is a miss watching this movie and having not watched the show is getting the analogies between Spike and Elektra and Spike and Vincent, the mentions of like, uh, he sees in his dream where Jed is like, oh, he was Vincent was never really alive, just like you or he was already dead. Right. And you're mm -hmm. like, that doesn't make any sense if you don't know that Spike, you know, has his past life where he is supposedly dead to the mafia. And in doing so, he's lost a life and he doesn't know what to do now. And he is kind of like a walking dead person. Um, so, yeah, he's it. Spike's. Yeah, I don't know. He just kind of goes mm -hmm. with the flow. There's like a whole previous romance and like mobster tragedy that has happened to him that unfolds over the course of like the TV series. And so, yeah, like this happens close to the end of the series. I was yeah. actually kind of surprised because like um, the, a lot of the anime films that I've seen, the OVAs that, that Ryan referred to earlier um, have like this kind of, oh, the story happens on like a faraway island. You can almost think of it as a vacation that has the favorite right. characters or family. That is this an Adam on. Sandler movie? Yeah, it's basically like an Adam <laughs> Sandler film. Oh, God. Where they go somewhere. You uh, are with the people that you supposedly love if you like grownups, I guess. Uh, and then. Uh, I actually do like grownups. Oh, okay. What about grownups, too? <laughs> no, I do not okay, like grownups, too. Well, it's like you're grownups, too. Uh, and. Um, and you have a story or an adventure that happens. All the characters seem to have some kind of growth, like where they're just like, okay, uh, I, I now understand that this is important. And then they come back. And if you were to like watch the show again, the characters, even if like the, the animators and the creative directors behind it say like, this is where they were in the show's runtime when this movie happened, you do not feel it at all. There's no integration to it. Um, it's really one of those like, all right, I guess in my head canon it explains why these characters exist um, or show up. Uh, but beyond that, like nobody mentions it in the show. None of that happens. And since Bebop is structured in such a way that like the entire show, nobody really refers to previous episodes. You can watch it in any order that you want to technically, but there's a, a, uh, a like a plot running underneath the covers of it the entire time. And so 
while you can watch these serial adventures, you will slowly pick up on the fact that characters have certain growth and progress and they won't be like, man, we beat that villain of the week last episode or any of that shit. You'll just know that there's like a different weight in their voice or like in their eyes. And if you watch like the full thing through, you'll pick it up. And so this episode fits in between the episode Dixon that I showed you called, um, is it, is it cowboy funk? I think was what it was called. Uh, and it has like this guy who rides around on a horse, who's followed by like a Neo Morricone score yeah. everywhere he goes. <laughs> cowboy Andy his name is whatever. Andy. <laughs> yeah. His name is Andy. And, and, uh, there's like a, a fucking Unabomber <laughs> trying to <laughs> destroy buildings and make a political statement. And nobody gives a shit cause they're all too concerned with cowboy Andy fucking shit up. Um, and then another episode right after this movie follows is about like Scientology. Basically there was like a Scientology ish core. Cult. Is Scientology like, or the like what were the guys that followed the Hale Bop comet? Because they have that like bald guy <laughs> aesthetic yeah, of their cult leader. There's there's kind of that like this like, oh, join the digital verse and become like the new you that needs to be there. And it's this wild fucking version of it. Um and to have it like fit in between, this movie doesn't really expose any of that, but um when you watch it, I like watched a few, I've like read a few essays on it and watched like a few things about it and like where it fits into place. And I was like, these are compelling enough arguments for me to be like, this is impressive. Um, cause there's a lot of talk about Spike's past life in it with Electra and with Vincent and like, they're sort of mirroring his character. Um, and if you don't know the show, then you're not going to care and you're not going to see it. But when you watch the show, this fits perfectly in between those episodes where the cowboy Andy one, there was a lot of people being like, Spike, this is just like you. This is this cowboy. Mm-hmm. He just goes in and he fucks everything up and then he leaves. And Spike's like, that's not like me at all. And then they both go fuck up a building together <laughs> trying to compete <laughs> to see who's a better bounty hunter. Um, and something like this where like Spike met his physical match in that episode. And then in this one, it's like philosophically his match of like a man who claims he's dead, who's like never lived. And Spike kind of like, thinking like how that nihilism could have impacted him or like what that could have led to. Um, which I don't think that we've really talked about like the, the main terrorist plot or like if it makes any sense or if it matters at all, <laughs> but yeah. I was gonna say, it's trying to just like bomb that city. Yeah. The, sh- the show, the movie also gives you the out that it's possibly all a dream <laughs> anyway. Oh, you to, mean at the very end? Yeah, it asks it, you. Yeah, it kind of gives you an opportunity to be like, maybe Spike just dripped all this shit anyway, because it would explain why he sees a couple things that don't make quite sense. But um, often, weirdly, with the, with anime, like they just make a movie, and you have no idea. Like it fits in a place, but you have no idea if it really happened or not until later they clarify it. So, and they they'll make movies that like conflict with each other. Like the Japanese audience is just used to like it doesn't need to really truly make sense like they're already okay with there being multiple <laughs> canon canon that conflicts like whatever as long as the characters kind of are the same it's fine yeah we 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 had to use the c word i'm sorry dixon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know how much you're not a fan of canon mm, i'm out <laughs> just the canon unless movies. it's canon, canon films movies. yeah, yeah. <laughs> canon films yeah death wish get him in here <laughs> if chuck doris is in it i'm there <laughs> Or JCVD. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, well, yeah, were there any moments, uh, I guess, Dixon, having this been, you know, your your second experience with Cowboy Bebop and a much longer one at that and something that's made for, like, theatrical release. Is there anything, like, particular that sticks out that, like, you feel would be memorable for you? Like, 
Is there anything that really made a lasting impression? Um, I mean, just the, I think the style is what sticks with me the most, like the, the cool melding of noir and the Western and, and kind of, there's kind of some like spy stuff and, and, you know, kind of the, the evil corporate backing and all that stuff kind of coming together into one thing was really interesting. And the animation is really cool. And just all the action sequences look really great. Um, it made me want to go watch a really good noir um and i haven't had a chance to do that yet so i may do that this week at some point but um yeah that that was kind of my main takeaway from it was just the the vivid uh kind of unique nature of of the animation and just the overall styles melding together and you also learned what makes a stew a stew didn't you yeah yeah stew mix um <laughs> on I was aisle like, three broth uh no nope stew mix okay um i don't know what that is but whatever <laughs> like, j- like chili powder or something i, I don't yeah, know i think it's just like that dude doesn't even know what a stew is anymore uh, <laughs> is it like uh, like a freeze-dried packet of like meat and vegetables that you just like <laughs> dump in some boiling water i'm assuming bouillon it's like cubes. a ramen packet yeah, <laughs> yeah bouillon well, they cube. make their curry japanese curry comes in this little like almost like bouillon chunks to make the curry mm-hmm. so yeah i guess maybe it's the same thing hmm that dude doesn't know how stews are made. I do He's like their like, just put uh, a cube in there. Yeah, yeah. You got a stew going. Um, <laughs> I do like their future noodle cups that are like self-heating. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that shit was rad. I lo- it's it's about those minor those like minor conveniences when it comes to the future, where like that make this movie and the world feel a lot more believable. Was when I was like. Oh, Moroccan Street. People are still selling like vases in the future. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hell cuckoo yeah. Clocks. Like, I could easily see this. <laughs> yeah, cuckoo <laughs> clocks and whatever. And then it's just like every so often there's like, all right, there is a video phone. Okay, there is like a ramen cup that you pull a string and it heats everything inside of it. Um, like those really minor conveniences, but the medical corporations are still fucking everybody over. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> there's like, they've got private military now, which is even more fun. Um, yeah, the Martian Pinkertons, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah. There's certainly like a level and even stronger have and have not level in the cowboy bebop universe. Cause there are these companies that have like whatever they want, you know, and people with really great technology. You do see people who are like ridiculously rich. And then you see a lot of people who are just barely getting by and like, can't go anywhere or work really shitty, dangerous jobs. Yeah, at times there's like feelings of uh, in the movie of like walking through like a favela and uh, like you just see like mm-hmm. kids playing soccer in like dirty streets and like kicking it around corners and stuff. There's so many little nuances and details to the atmosphere that like lend to it having that life. Um, and I, I've again, like having just watched Howl's Moving Castle and thinking about the way that like there's not really a lot of time to traverse the streets in Howl. And it doesn't really give you that same sense of you're like, you understand there's two countries warring two nations and that I feel like bebop really just like settles in and like sinks into one particular like atmosphere at a time. And here has way more of like, you know, an Arabic culture to it. Like it's trying to, to conjure so much with that Moroccan street. It's so memorable. Um, Mm -hmm. Hell, even like the, the informant, the dude with the grenade fire fucking uh, lighter or whatever, he he like leaves a conversation by sitting on a rail and sliding out of frame. Yeah. <laughs> like, like 
I, many other people just probably like walk away while saying some shit that's cool, but he's just like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> like hops on and goes. Ass grind. <laughs> um, yeah. And we haven't really talked, I know we mentioned at the top of it, like the score, uh, like the Cowboy Bebop score is always just good in the movie in particular has like a lot more of these, these kinds of like, uh, operatic moments. And there's like really, especially when they're raiding the water treatment plant to try to find the, the terrorist bomb. And there's just like this, uh, kind of choir that's singing as things are getting, as the officers are getting closer and closer to where the bomb isn't like, these cool moments. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious if y'all had any particular piece of the score that you picked up on that you were like, I noticed that this really stood out in a scene um, or if it all felt like it perfectly gelled and you were like, eh, just part of the experience. It is slightly different from the bebop show. This is actually one of my like mild complaints with the movie. Um, it, the, there's a lot more, lyrical and you're right kind of either choral opera or there's just straight up like a lot of lyrics it's much more like the closing theme to bebop or there's like mm. what is it walk in the rain like a few things like that mm. that that are in the show but for the most part the show is is much more jazz and bebop obviously in its and then very much like the freestyle jazz and i do miss that there's not a single like true over-the-top jazz song in this that I, I feel like should be there that's part of the the formula it's not to say the music is bad like i really do like the open like after the open we get the title uh sequence um showing the city and and the music and stuff that's there i, I really appreciate um and the score's good like it fits in everywhere it's just like a little minor that's like not exactly like the show yeah i would agree with that i thought the score was was really good and worked perfectly with the movie i actually watched another episode of the show today before i came over here to kind of like refresh my memory on the aesthetics and things like that and i liked the score a lot more in that episode of the show it was like just very very jazzy and it felt it felt almost more aggressive uh in the mm -hmm. in the show than it does in in the movie and um yeah, I don't, I don't know why they went away from that aesthetic. Maybe they were trying to create a, a different vibe in, in the movie than what they were doing um, in the episodes. But I did like it a lot. Like, it, the score works really well. It, it's, it's definitely, like, a strong point of the movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say it's, like, one of those things where, I, I guess, they probably had the check, and they were like, we should make something new. And I guess if we're going to do, I think that, like, also, just fun fact, this was banned in Iran and Iraq. <laughs> because it had subject matter of terrorism, which when I look at it, I'm like, it's a white dude who is supposed to look like Bob Dylan. Who's <laughs> doing, doing yeah. the terror. Uh, but okay. Um, this it, did, it has like Moroccan. Yeah. Now I'm like, it came out in 2001. I am now remembering. So yeah, there is a little bit of like, mm -hmm. yeah, I could see different. the recent sensitivity yeah. around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, you know, a lot of things are banned in Iran and Iraq. That's not super surprising, but yeah. Um, but, but that was one of the things where I was just like, there's not a whole lot of like references. It takes place on Mars in 2071. Like, yeah. you know, but uh, anyways, that's, that's an aside. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed the score as well. Like I, I had, obviously I brought it up because I was like, yeah, it's completely different than the show has. And the show had to be, I think it's, it's more interesting to me that like a 26 episode anime has full jazz score. Like if you find mm -hmm. the soundtrack online, it's just fucking great to listen to. And like right around, it really makes you feel like hyped up. Um, 
and then to have it go from that to what is in the movie, which has completely different style to it and is played at times like way slower has like moments that'll just kind of linger in, in what it is. Whereas the show's like, all right, we're having it. Like, here's a, here's a dog fight, like kick up the, the trumpets like really hard or like, here's a fist fight. Let's do bass. Like let's really double down. Or that, um, I mean, it will play like right. a blues, like real down. There'll be a blues, blues. Yeah. Whenever somebody's down and shit too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll just hit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, glad it exists. I'm glad that they did the score for the movie the way it is. It's not bad. It obviously fits really well with it. Um, but yeah, I would, I would welcome a third album if they want to make something else. Uh, they don't have to make a movie for it, but it's just one of those things where like the seatbelts did the score for, uh, the show and the movie. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, I, I got to follow the seatbelts after this. Yeah. This sounds fucking great. Um, so yeah. Uh, do we, Ryan, do we have to talk about the live action Bebop? No. I would like to talk about okay. Vincent's <laughs> motives. <laughs> I'd rather sure. talk about that. <laughs> Let's do that. All right, everybody. You heard Ryan's review for Cowboy <laughs> Bebop, the Netflix live action. That's a refute on a main discussion. Is, that the, is John Cho in that? John Cho yeah. is in that. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I, never, I never saw that. But. This, this yeah. style is kind of there in the show, but it sort of removes the heart. Um, the casting's good like it kind of works the music is good because they brought back you know the original sounds and and artists um but it it tries to explore a character that doesn't need exploring for for no reason because it wants to fit to the american archetype of like we follow a plot thread <laughs> which yeah this you know the the anime does not give a shit about mm. um and then in doing so it then fails to fill in the main characters in the way that they're supposed to in touching ways. Yeah. It's just a really strange, uh, way to hmm. do that adaptation and just completely jerk the soul out of it. So there's that's all I have to say uh, about YouTube that video. There's a YouTube video I watched <laughs> called uh cowboy bebop Netflix, uh, the Seinfeld edition or some shit. And, uh, it just puts a laugh track on one scene from that show. And it demonstrates successfully in like a minute and 30 seconds, everything wrong with it. By just adding that laugh track, because you it's like Joss Whedon jokes. Oh. Yeah. It's like that level of like these stoic characters are just eating at a, a regular table and making like jokes, and one of them's like, it was totally nutbags. Like that they, they say that it was nutbags. And I'm like, nobody in this mm. fucking movie and nobody in that show would ever say something was nutbags. Yeah, um, and like but yeah, anyways. The the dialogue <laughs> comedy is not the modern dialogue obviously because this is from the late 90s originally um but the the comedy tends to come much more from like the situations like there is some talking about noodles and not getting to eat beef or whatever and sometimes they kind of take a few digs at each other like that happens within it but i'm you know as far as the tv show is concerned like if you want your comedy it's when they're all fucking tripping on mushrooms or yeah, that's an episode you should see Dixon. Yeah, or, or the it's, thing in the fridge that they left in there for too long becomes sentient or. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> like that's more where the sort of like comedy can come into play. Or even, even like when the, you know, early on episode where they get Ayn, the data dog, the comedy is in like the chase scene. It's just yeah. this elongated chase scene through. And there's a little bit here. I would say a good example is when they're doing the, the chase scene uh, where Vincent is getting on the train and Electra's chasing him. And Spike is chasing Electra, and there's kind of some like little comedy moments within there and sort of action comedy, or she like tells the guy like stay at the car 
like watch the car, like things like that, that are more of the like funny moments in it than needing to be like Avengers funny. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Avengers funny is what that's an oxymoron, John. Come on. Uh, but yeah, anyways. Okay. So that's all we had to say for the live action cowboy bebop folks. Um, don't, uh, don't watch it. Just watch the, uh, watch the OG. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyways, you wanted to talk about Vincent's motivations, Ryan? Yeah. So we sort of learned that Vincent, like we know that he was experimented on and that he got an anti nanobot injection vaccine yeah let's not think about how that works honestly how the nanobots work is whatever anyway um (laughs) and so he's He's got warring nanobots inside him yeah yeah the invading nanobots Uh, (laughs) and and i guess through some of this testing he's amnesiac and kind of doesn't remember anything it appears and he sees glowing butterflies everywhere now yeah and he sees glowing butterflies all over the place so then he decides to release the nanobots that I don't think were used for testing on him, right? He just finds out that the company was making these and they're fucking dangerous. And he's just going to let them out and kill everyone on Mars because dot, 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 something. We're all in purgatory or then I'll get to die too. Which then he just gets he seems shot, to be so losing his grip matter. on reality yeah. at all. And, you know, he's like, are the butterflies real or are you real? And like, you know, tell me, He's like, I think he's talking to Spike at the end, right? He's like, tell me what's real. I don't even yeah, know he's anymore. Like, and it seems like he's kind of trying to take everybody down with him. Yeah, there just becomes like that. I feel like his motivation throughout all of it is to solidify what's real by killing everything. He's like, all right, if I release this and this all happens, then maybe I'll know what actually is real or I'll have eliminated what I think is fake in this really fucking weird like he is just at this point off the deep end and in like a severe state of psychosis where he's seen those which the butterfly reveal sequences are so fucking cool like i think each time you see a butterfly those butterflies are through like a pov shot where it's like first we get you know um sporky donkey works or he like he like dies whatever the fuck his name is (laughs) he uh He just like eats it and Faye walks in and immediately has that same reaction where we another moment where we learn kind of the rules, I guess, of the the weapon that's at use where it's like, okay, these like microbots, if they're dispersed through a a room, they would dissipate slower than if they were dispersed on like a highway where they've killed everybody. Um, And Faye immediately starts like freaking out and having this moment of like we get to see the blurred vision and. They do shots like that too in the show, which is is always cool to just like the use of POV, even in the most small moments of action here. It's like um, I, I hesitate to bring up Brisson in a way, but in a way <laughs> it does have this direct like insight into action where like Brisson will show like the handshake as a result of violence. And like in Bebop, the point of view is the point of violence. Like that's where you would see things. Um, so like even at the beginning when Spike's coming up to the convenience store, he headbutts a dude in front of the store and we don't see, we see, or he like kicks him. We don't see his foot make contact. We see the point of view of, uh, eyes looking looking up to the sky being completely dazed. Um, and like that moment of like, that's how you connect with a character instantaneous, even if you don't know who they are, like using your eyes and seeing that way. So like Faye seeing 
a glimpse of a butterfly and it doesn't even stay. Like we don't follow the butterfly at all. It gets out of view pretty fast. Um, what was like an enticing moment. And then at the end, Spike sees like, you know, hundreds of them for a moment and then they just dissipate. Um, just like really fucking cool way to show here's how like toxic gas is dispersing. Mm-hmm. Here's how this character is, is enacting their plan. But um, yeah, anyways, I got on that tangent from talking about Vincent. Yeah. Like maybe guessing that if he killed everybody, it would make things real. It would ground him. You know, the, the noir assassin butterfly combo reminds me a lot of branded to kill. I was thinking about (laughs) Joe Shashido, our favorite chipmunk chinked man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what is, uh, I don't know. Did y'all have anything to, did you have anything for that Dixon? Did it remind you? No, I was just like, as you were talking about, I was like, you know what? That reminds me a lot of branded to kill. And and I'm sure there was some influence there like it's it's that's also a japanese film right yeah i feel like there's a uh, yeah a, 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 like a, a influence of like the metaphor of like what a butterfly is where it is this like fragile frail entity that can die pretty easily and brandon to kill if i remember correctly there was like a whole wall of them like pinned uh like, yeah, they were like all hung from the ceiling in, yeah, in one apartment yeah, yeah. there's like that you're just surrounded by that frailty and that beauty and um and this it's like so they're all fleeting they all continue to fly and usually when you see them as the the observer not vincent i'm sure he he says he sees them all the time so i guess he just lives in this constant daze um but you you see them and they just disintegrate constantly like yeah at the moment that somebody sees one it just flutters away um, and certainly the the hallucination or the hallucinations that vincent may have that are beyond the butterflies i i do get the idea of like my mind is showing me butterflies, but you're saying they're not there, but I'm seeing these other things. Like which one can I trust? Like what is really, what is the reality reality? that they bring up and then making, it's definitely a reference to the, the philosophical and I forget who it is that say that, that he dreamt of being a butterfly and and then he woke up and was a human. And he's like, which one, like which one's the dream? Am I the butterfly dreaming of being a man or am I man dreaming of being a butterfly? Like, how can you know? Um, and it's interesting, right? Cause you like spikes world of like, what's reality and you know, what, what was his life before and what is his life now? Is he in a purgatory himself between life and death is definitely something that's kind of in the show theme thematically. Uh, I just don't get why, like the truck was highly effective. Why do we have to go to this convoluted Halloween jack-o'-lantern yeah <laughs> because he wants to cover the whole city in it ryan just more just trucks because the, the trucks truck. seem to work perfectly fine that's too much work they're gonna be they, looking they for caught trucks. on to the truck what was the what was the other thing like the one of the cops uh says that like oh the big pharma doesn't want to investigate it they don't even they like buried the truck incident basically immediately yeah because yeah, it was their truck like, that got stolen yeah yeah i feel like they wouldn't send more trucks out ryan come on I honestly like I can get that like now everyone's gonna be looking at the trucks and they looked at the water supply so you do have to come up with it's like in that like second day afterwards they had no fucking clue what was even going on like that was your chance you want to wait a week and a half to Halloween to fucking enact your more complicated version of your plan just get some old crop dusting planes and just go for it (laughs) just spray it 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 just fine I I love those those old dudes Mm -hmm. The old dudes who fly those crop dusting planes are <laughs> the real heroes of this movie. <laughs> and those 
Speaking um, of recurring characters, those fucking three old guys show up in the show all the time. And I do like that here they act like they they, they make some mention of like, oh, it'd be nice to travel to space. And I'm like, motherfucker, you've been on like nine different planets yeah. <laughs> throughout the course of the show. You <laughs> they just don't, don't remember. <laughs> are they on a porch playing cards in every single planet that they're on? <laughs> they yeah. Actually, yeah. And the, old, the one old dude that has like clearly has dementia or some kind of memory <laughs> loss. He has the same shit. In one episode, they explain that away as him being... He like got so stoned for such a long time because they were like, I remember when we were planting beans back on this farm. And he's like, eh, we, we did. We planted those beans like there was no tomorrow. And they're like, you were planting crops of a different kind. And he's just like, uh, yep, I was. <laughs> like, <fucking> nose. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, seeing those recurring characters in this feels like a novelty. Like, Nixon, you probably didn't register it, but like those old guys were fun. The, uh, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Laughing Bull, who is the, like, he's not a Native American. He's a Native Martian or, I don't know, a mystic dude. Whatever. Uh, I, are there Native I guess, Martians? Yeah, <laughs> I guess if the guy's in <laughs> Little Morocco or Moroccan, then I guess he's Native American. Yeah. I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, him giving his, he, he, he always calls Spike Swimming Bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brings a whole wolf to Mars. <laughs> calls, calls Spike Swimming Bird. He's in other episodes. There's just, like, a good number of recurring characters in this movie that none of them turn to camera and wink and are like, it's me. It's just like those old dudes are fucking like hilarious and just how senile they are. And all right, I guess spike was saved by mystic. Like sure. (laughs) That kind of shit. Um, yeah. Uh, was there, was there anything else behind Vincent's, uh, motivations that we wanted to talk about? Uh, we even really no, them? I do <laughs> wonder that there's the question of like Electra having the anti nanobites that's never really that's what sex does for you, I, I guess. Yeah. But then Vincent doesn't remember sexually transmitted, <laughs> yeah. sexually transmitted vaccinations. Yeah, yes. I absolutely feel that that's the, the insinuation, but Vincent doesn't remember her yeah. until the very end. Yeah. So that I'm like. He didn't know whether they yeah. have a relationship before the anti-nanobites or only after the anti-nanobites, and he just doesn't remember either or both. Or Yeah, that's also not entirely clear. Yeah. I, honestly, the only thing I took away from it was that uh, we need to spend more time investing into STVs. Uh, yeah, That's the exactly. best way to vaccinate the population. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I like, wonder if there's any implications to everyone on Mars now being anti-nanobite <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> how are we going to infiltrate the catholic priest population though what are we going to do what are we going to do with that uh i don't even want to touch that <laughs> unlike the priest oh, oh. oh there we go <laughs> um i i'm curious to ask you guys like I feel like TV shows that turn into movies, a lot of times they don't work. Um, I talked about the Simpsons movie a week or two ago, and I think that's one of the examples that does work really well. Um, and that like, Simpsons movie to me feels like a good, solid Simpsons episode, kind of spread out longer. It sounds like that's how you guys kind of feel about the Cowboy Bebop movie. Um, is that how you feel about it? And also, how do you feel like... What are your general feelings about TV shows that do movies and how does do you think this stacks up comparatively? I yeah. feel like it nails being a longer episode as far as like I can compare it in my 
you know, to, to other Japanese anime movies, which are really common, like the Dragon Ball movie earlier this year, like they put one out every few years, like the One Piece movie and the Demon Slayer movie were like even really did well in the States, much less like gigantic hits in Japan. Um, because people kind of just want to see more of the characters they love, even if the show is in or maybe even especially if the show is ended um, and kind of don't really care, like if it even makes sense. A lot of times the movies are pretty crap compared to the show. Um, yeah. A few times are good, but it, it, it does run into this problem of like with the anime, it always has to live on its own. Somewhat enough that anyone can come in and watch it, though I'll say the recent Dragon Ball movie did not give a fuck if you knew the history of Dragon Ball. It went hard into the paint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it can't mess with the show. Like, it has that, that's really where it is. Is like there aren't necessarily implications that can come back to the show. So it's sort of like any character that gets introduced will forever be forgotten. They'll only exist within that movie, even if they're like the most powerful thing they've ever met until yep. this point, yep. they're never talked of again, right? Because it's like, well, that was in the movie and we just put it aside. So the, the Bebop movie, like it definitely works where it is a longer episode. It is exactly like what Bebop is like. The fact that it's after the show and is kind of coming back to all of it and really honestly doesn't miss a beat, I feel like is good. A lot of times I feel like when things come back or movies later, you, know, you look at like late, see these seasons that are not coming back of shows from forever ago fucking Frasier or whatever they don't even remember how they made the show like and yeah. no yeah. one involved is there except for Frasier and <laughs> like it, it just can never be the thing like the soul is completely removed and like Arrested Development or Family Guy I feel like they came back and they kind of just didn't remember what made it work where this knows what made Cowboy Bebop work yeah I, 100% I'm on that same exact page of like it, it much like the Simpsons movie, I think it does a good service to the source material and has, you know, the same kind of snappy writing, the same investment in the time that's put into the characters and to the score. Um, like, I mean, on its own, like standing on its own, you know, the Simpsons movie can be fun for anybody who hasn't watched the show because the jokes are solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Bebop has this kind of uphill battle of like getting you to recognize the world an ensemble cast, um, a threat, a bigger threat, like some world building that goes in between that as well. Um, with the rest of just like getting you familiar with the world itself too, is like, all right, what are the rules for all of this? Like, how do I even understand this? How does it stand on its own? Um, like, uh, where Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, both like 2049, especially gets to ape off of a world that exists, but Blade Runner had to stand up like so many different proper nouns and there's so much that's required with it mm-hmm. to try to get going. Um, that like it, it, I feel like bebop has the same thing of like, it, it doesn't, while it does serve the source material, I feel like it also tries to bridge that gap of like connecting with new audiences with like mainstream views. And that's sort of like that. Um, the, the more interesting part of it is I feel like it does it well enough it doesn't do it like in, you know, it doesn't do like a full service to a newcomer to be like, okay, I understand everything about this, but yeah. maybe it serves as a good entry point and a good, like I was looking over some IMDB facts and some Wikipedia reception stuff that they were talking about how like some critics gave it like two out of five stars and said that it wasn't that great of a movie that like the animation was impressive enough, but that it was flat. 
Um, and other critics were like four out of five. I fucking loved it. I thought that the animation was fantastically done and like the replication of certain film shots and like the use of style just elevated it that it didn't need these other aspects to its story. And so it comes down to this point of like, where do you really fall when you see this kind of blend of genre? Like, how do you feel about it? Um, but for me as a fan, like I fucking loved it. I got a, I had a good time out of it. Um, I remember a friend who felt differently that I knew when I was a young kid, when I went and saw this movie or talked to him with him about it, he was smoking a cigarette and I thought he was cool because he was 12. And I was like, <laughs> how can you do that? Uh, and then he, he was like, yeah, that movie's Did you okay. light it with a grenade? He didn't. <laughs> That'd be awesome. uh, that would have been the coolest moment in my life. <laughs> um, but he, he was like, where so, did you get that? <laughs> I, I could tell that he was doing cigarettes. He was smoking cigarettes because he had anger issues because he turned around and punched a brick wall talking about the cowboy bebop movie and how oh my. it didn't do enough of a service. And he like busted his fucking hand on that wall. Uh, it was like the only time that I've come up against somebody who's like that. I was just like, I liked it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Did he break his hand? He did not break his hand. He just had bloody knuckles, um, from, from the impact, but just like, dude, don't get so worked up. Um, <laughs> I feel like every every baseball season, there's one pitcher that gets really mad and like punches oh, yeah. the wall or punches a water cooler and then breaks his hand and is out up. for the rest of the season. Always, yeah. uh-huh. always, just happens. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not like him. I wouldn't punch a wall over this movie. I thought it was pretty fun, and I think it's a cool entry point for other folks. Um, I thought it did a good service to the characters I love. So cool. Yeah, yeah I can say at the same time I'm like yeah it's really good and, and does a good job of the show but I'm like I also enjoy the Tenchi Moyo movies so like I can enjoy uh, hot yeah. trash just because I like the I'm a fan of the well, the show or whatever so I don't even right. know if my point's valid <laughs> yeah 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 uh, Ryan your points are never valid yeah <laughs> Dixon has uh, clearly invalidated both of our points uh, <laughs> he continues to win the presidential elections by a <laughs> an 89% vote majority. <laughs> wow, Dixon, I wonder how that happens for this podcast. <laughs> We're going to count all the legal votes, folks. When only <laughs> two-thirds of us is a majority. <laughs> stop voting when he wins. Anyways. Don't stop yeah, counting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add for this? Huh? I think that's all I got. All right. Well, there we go. Um, well, I... Uh, having just talked about how much I really enjoyed it, uh, would recommend it. But uh, Ryan, would you recommend it? Yeah, I would recommend it. I, in the case that you're a fan of Cowboy Bebop and haven't seen it, fucking watch it. There's absolutely no reason, and you will like it because it is just more of it. Um, coming in blind, I think it's a a fair entry point. I, I kind of have the feeling of, you know, I mentioned One Piece, and it's like a thousand fucking episodes, and I don't know how many issues of the comic at this point. That if you want to get into something like that, like American comics or wrestling, the best thing to do is just like start watching. And if you want to find out something, you can go back and start to fill in the pieces or fill in the gaps. But you will never feel like you can catch up or or get into it or whatever if you don't just like have something in front of you and just just watch it. Don't be bothered by it. Now, Cowboy Bebop is not long. There's only 26 episodes and like a special. So it's really easy to get through. Yeah. And they're really fast to work through. You should do that. Like anyone that has no familiarity with Cowboy Bebop, like you absolutely should watch it. It's excellent for a Western audience as well. I think it's one of the most accessible anime to an American audience, um, and is wildly popular in the states for for that reason. Um, and yeah, the movie is kind of just like more of the same. So I really do. I, I recommend it as well. 
Yeah. Uh, Dixon, would you? Yes, I would. Uh, for all the reasons we've discussed, um, it's just cool. Like the the styles all coming together, the score. Um, it it's a really fun watch. I had no real context going in and had a good time with it. So awesome. Uh, we have talked um, about dorm room poster movies in the past or whatever, and so I have to be fully upfront that I had Spike Spiegel posters, in legitimately <laughs> at least one in my dorm room. Uh, yeah, so that's at least where I stand. And I've definitely used images like from this movie specifically, uh, mm-hmm. on, like online things for years. Like it's, it's that much to me. Uh, yeah. On the plus side, I can say Spike Spiegel is definitely knows Travis Bickle. That dude, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spike's not nearly as warped as Travis. <laughs> Travis is way cooler. Yeah. He does way more cool shit. <laughs> but could he, could he wear a suit the entire time he was fighting? <laughs> That's hey, gotta be it's pretty tough. Spike Spiegel put whiskey on his Cheerios in the morning. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> he doesn't have enough money. Gentlemen, for please, there's no fighting in the war room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, that'll wrap it up for us here at Afterthoughts. I think it's time we blow this scene. Um, so yeah, I, I have been your host, John Garcia, with me as always. Ryan King. See you, Space Cowboy. And Michael Dixon, thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.